Welcome, everybody, to the latest edition of the Janji or Else podcast. I, of course, am Janji of Janji'sBeat.com. And with me, as always, who else but Tommy else? Very good. See, now that's a nice, solid intro. That's that's I think I think that's the best you've ever done. I'm tearing up, man. I think that's the best you've ever done. And that, I mean, was that so hard? Was that so hard? That's all I've asked. Well, the, well, no, the only thing I'll say is give me a simple, just give me a simple, straightforward intro to the show so that we can just get into things here. But now, but Joey's got to take some little show. side turn that just <laughs> screws it up at the end. You'll you could start out strong and then like you you know. But if I do that again the next show, are you going to go? Well, it's the same thing you did last time. Or are you comfortable with with the you know repetitive? Well, I'm really uh, excited about today's show because we've got a really cool guest on. We do have a really cool guest on, and I am very excited. We, uh, um, how did how you you tell me how you you came across? Because this this was your guest you brought on here. I was thumbing through Facebook as we are wont to do in life, and it popped up. Chris Borne yeah. popped up on my my timeline. I'm not sure why we weren't friends on Facebook, and I saw that he is doing a or he has done a documentary on African American women pioneers in wrestling. And yeah, fifties and sixties. Yeah. Yeah. And it, it fascinated me. I, I contacted, I did a little research. I contacted Chris, told you about it. And uh, he was up for the interview and it, it came together within about a day. It was, he was very agreeable and, and really super cool guy. Yeah. So that being said, let's just get right into it and introduce everybody to our special guest today, Mr. Chris Borne. Welcome to the show, no. man. It's really good. It's really good to meet you, man. Thank you. Great meeting you as well. Thanks for having me on. Um, we've heard so we've heard all about uh, Lady Wrestler, and mm-hmm. uh, you know I've been involved in in wrestling and in various aspects in the ring and out of the ring, and uh, John G's been very close to the scene as well. And, uh, you know, you put together a film and, and admittedly, I have not gotten to see it yet. I am anxious mm-hmm. to, uh, but I've definitely uh, studied up on, on the content and what it was about and everything. And it sounds incredibly intriguing and interesting. And uh, if you could just kind of, for the people uh, watching and listening, just kind of give us a, a, an idea, a summary of what this, this project was. Yeah, yeah, thanks. So the documentary is called Lady Wrestler, The Amazing Untold Story of African-American Women in the Ring. So it's about the Black women who integrated pro wrestling back in the early 1950s, starting with Babs Wingo, her sister Ethel Johnson, and then their younger younger sister Marva Scott. And uh, then I got to interview Ramona Isbell as well, who was also one of the original African-American women. And uh, so, yes, it's their story about the you know, the obstacles they overcame, racism and sexism, and being the first in anything, of course, you're going to, you know, go through challenges. But these women being Black women in a white male-dominated sport, especially back then, they they really overcame some major challenges. Yeah, I mean, talk about having the odds against you. I mean, first off, you're a woman. <laughs> Second off, you're Black in a very yeah. hostile time, you know, and volatile right. time when it came to race. You know, and then you're trying to somehow work within the realm of a uh, white male dominated 
business. Right. Um, you know, that's, you know, that takes a lot of passion. What do you think it was that made them so determined to not only participate, but succeed in that, in that arena? Well, I love stories about people who sort of stumble into things. Some of the most talented people, excuse me, talented people in any field are people who didn't necessarily have the goal of, oh, I'm going to be the best in this field. For example, Halle Berry is from my home state of Cleveland. I'm sorry, my home state of Ohio. She's from Cleveland. (laughs) And I heard an an interview with her when she released that movie, her directorial debut, Bruised, about playing a UFC fighter, where she talked Mm -hmm. about she didn't grow up dreaming about being an actress. She, somebody like came up to her and said, oh, you could model or you could be in a pageant. So she started entering pageants and somebody saw her in one of the pageants and was like, oh, you could model. And then she started modeling and someone was like, oh, you could be an actress. And so it's something she stumbled into. It's the same thing with the Wingo sisters, because that was the family name. And they all took, except for Babs, they all took different names because their promoter, Billy Wolf, didn't want audiences to know they were sisters because he thought they might, you know, the audiences might think they were going to go easy on each other. But they, they they were sisters who, by chance, they had older brothers who, like, they would just sort of, like, play around and work out with. Uh, in, in the in the family garage, you know, they'd make makeshift weights. This was obviously back in the late 40s when they started. They were in their um, they were in their teens, and Ethel was actually uh, a preteen when they when they started. So they were taking uh, tumbling classes and defensive judo at a local YMCA. And then Billy Wolf, the promoter I mentioned, who was the uh, basically the force behind making women's wrestling a worldwide phenomenon rather than just a novelty. He was a white man, but he was inspired by Jackie Robinson and how Jackie Robinson brought a lot of attention and buzz to uh, baseball when he integrated the sport. So he thought, oh, I can do the same thing with, by bringing black women into the sport. And Billy Wolf had, of course, married and groomed Mildred Burke, the first uh, world women's wrestling champion. And he knew Mildred needed opponents. So he started recruiting women into his business. And he just thought, Black women will help bring sensationalism and, and buzz, and it did. Because awesome. who, who, at, at that time, especially when the United States was very segregated, who wouldn't want to go see a match with white women wrestling black women? Right. I mean, it's very well, that, taboo. Well, that leads me to one of my questions, and that was, um, were the black women typically booked as heels, or was it fairly even as far as being heels and faces? I mean, like, were were they yeah. put out there to be sort of villainized versus the white women, or or did they I, play I, it I, straight? I, I think it was fairly even because Ethel was was a was a face, but um, Marva was more of a heel. Mm-hmm. Babs, I'm not so sure of, but Babs actually was in the first interracial championship with Mildred Burke in the in the 50s. But it wasn't it wasn't just making black women always be the villains. It, that definitely okay. wasn't. Well, wasn't that's good. Higher, good. Yeah. yeah. Glad to hear well, that. What was yeah. the reaction for these women? Because you know they've, as you said, their their stories are untold, kind of forgotten. What was their reaction uh-huh. when you went to them and said, "Hey, I want to do this"? Well, so the the way I came upon this story, so. As I, as I said, uh, women's wrestling started in my hometown of Columbus, Ohio. That's where Billy Wolf, who was originally from Missouri, l- relocated. And for, as far as I know, the reason why he chose Columbus is because it's centrally located. It's a transportation and logistics hub, and it's located within a day's drive of like 70% of the country. So 
back in the 30s when he was starting his women's wrestling business, you know, air travel wasn't that common for, you know, for for people who weren't really rich. So he knew a lot of the wrestlers were going to be driving to the different matches. So he chose this centrally located city. And um, I saw I grew up in Columbus. I never knew about this story growing up. Uh, even growing up, you know, I'm, I'm African-American, never heard about, I, my first job was at an African-American newspaper, never heard about these women. Then I was working at a community newspaper in 2005 called This Week, which is a, a subsidiary of the Columbus Dispatch, the daily newspaper, and a publicist, another African-American na- man named Terry Anderson, he said, there's this really interesting lady you should interview. I grew up with her, and she was always having, like, bodybuilders and wrestlers and famous actors and stuff hanging out at her house. Her name's Ethel Johnson. You should interview her sometime. So he arranged the interview with um, Ethel and I, and it came, come to find out Ethel's daughter, um, Shelly, had been trying to get Ethel's story sort of like out there because she knew her mother had sort of faded into some obscurity along with her, um, you know, Aunt Babs and Marva. So Shelly was kind of the driving force behind getting her family's story kind of uh, out, of, out of the darkness, if you will. So yeah. Ethel, when I when I um, interviewed her, she was very, very open, very forthcoming, talked about how she loved traveling the world, but she also had these experiences with Jim Crow, you know, having to go in the back door of restaurants and step off the sidewalk when a white person was coming, you know, out of, out of deference to, you know, white people. But she had been um, retired since the 70s when I interviewed her. So, you know, almost, what, 20 or 30 some years when I interviewed her or 20 some years when I interviewed her, but she was very, very forthcoming. I think it's because Terry Anderson being a family friend had said, you know, she could, she could trust me. Mm-hmm. So when I, I ended up writing her story for the Columbus Dispatch, uh, it came out Women's History Month, during Women's History Month, March of 2006, Arnold Schwarzenegger, who holds a, an annual fitness classic in Columbus, saw the article. He had his mm-hmm. people call me and said they wanted to give Ethel a Lifetime Achievement Award. She was- oh, wow. Wow. Very, very uh, shy and unassuming outside of the ring, even when she was actively wrestling. And yeah. she turned down the Lifetime Achievement Award. And I just thought, really, um, her story, obviously, if somebody who, like Arnold Schwarzenegger, who's not only an international movie star, but a bodybuilding legend, you know, oh, yeah. sees, the, sees the value in her story, it's yeah. worth more than one just, just one newspaper article. I had come across the documentary Lipstick and Dynamite about the white women who were Ethel and mm-hmm. Babs and Marva's peers, like, you know, Mildred Burke and Fabulous Moolah. Right. And I just thought they barely mentioned Babs in the in the documentary and um, didn't really refer that there were this whole class of Black women who were, there were dozens of them. So I just thought, why not ask Ethel if she's willing to sit for, you know, be interviewed for a documentary? I'd always wanted to get into filmmaking. And surprisingly, she said yes. I think it's because she'd already trusted me since I had done the article. And through um, through my research, I came across Ramona Isbell, um, who was friends with uh, Babs and Ethel growing up, and found out there were there were dozens of these black women back in the fifties and sixties who were who were worldwide famous wrestling stars. It sounds like just like they kind of fell into it. This you sort of fell into this too. Into this, you mean into doing into this project? Got into yeah. The story. Yeah, yeah, I just I, th- I thought it was fascinating because how yeah. could this whole chapter of not only black history, but the city's history with Billy Wolf and having this booming wrestling enterprise and yeah. you know, you name it, sports history, this 
entire right. chapter of history was right under my nose. And why and is I, it and I never talk about, about it? it. And, my, and lots of lots of people who you know who live here in Columbus have said, "Wow, how come we never were taught this in school, or how come our parents or grandparents never talked about this?" And I've had a few like older African Americans who said, "Yeah, I remember seeing there was a wrestling show called the Lex Mayer Show." They were like, "I remember seeing some of those women on the Lex Mayer Show," uh, but other than that, I mean, it's 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 been a really underground story. Uh, you know, wa the Washington Post wrote an article and they called it the hidden figures of wrestling. And that's yeah. really what it is. Yeah. Um, I know that there were circumstances where they would have, uh, let's say they're, they're going to wrestle a show, but they don't allow blacks to be spectators there. Yeah. And I know that some of the women, you know, would protest that and, and not yeah. work the show. I mean, what kind of repercussions did they face? Do you know, you know, like what, what would happen to them or, or would the would the booker, you know, come down on them for it or, or how did that work? Yeah. So in the documentary, Ethel talks about how this was not a planned protest. It was like she got tired. She and the other black women got tired of doing two wrestling matches per, you know, per day because yeah. they'd have to do one match for the white show and then a separate match. I'm sorry, one match for the white audience and then a separate match for the black audience <laughs> because yeah. they didn't want um, the promoters and the venues didn't want black people, white people intermingling and using the same restroom facilities, et cetera. So it just got to a point of like physical, physical and emotional fatigue, just like how Rosa yeah, Parks sure. said, you know, yeah. she didn't set out looking to, you know, start a bus boycott. It was just like, I was tired and I didn't feel like walking all the way to the back of the bus. It was sort yeah. of similar with Ethel and some of the other uh, black women wrestlers that were like, look, if you're not gonna let the black people in and force us to do two matches in one day, we're just not gonna wrestle. So the repercussions they had were they had to forfeit their, you know, their, their pay they're and just paid, paid you in, know, yeah. turn around and drive all the way back to Columbus from Tuscaloosa or wherever they were, you know, at the time. But they did it because they were standing up for what, you know, they felt was was right for them and fair and everything. I, I've worked two matches in a day before, and I know that that is a that's a bear. And, you know, yeah. if you're doing if you're doing it on the regular, I mean, and and when the, especially when that's what the reason is to, you know, when it, it's completely avoidable, you know, so exactly um when so, so have you gotten what kind of response in general have you gotten from both the uh have you gotten from the wrestling community and then from the black community in general to your film yeah all the response has been really really positive the wrestling community um has been really receptive to you know honoring these women and helping to bring awareness and you know i appreciate you guys also helping to bring awareness to these women. Um, yeah. The black community has been really, really receptive. Um, every time I mention these women uh, to anyone, black, white, or otherwise, they're just fascinated. I, I actually went to the Cannes Film Festival in 2017. The documentary didn't actually show there, but I was just, I went there to network. And I was yeah. actually in line with um, uh, Viola Davis's husband. And I know that because he turned around and introduced himself and said, I am Viola Davis's husband. Yeah. <laughs> he was, she wasn't in line, but we, we just happened to be in line together. And I yeah. told him the story. He's like, wow, that's amazing. There were, you know, people from all over the world there, obviously. And they, they were like, wow, there were black women wrestlers back in the 50s. We didn't even know there were women wrestlers, let alone black women wrestlers. Sure. Yeah. 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 So I don't know um, like when, when the last time you've talked to any of them, but like, what are your thoughts or any of their thoughts on like the WWE right now has, mm -hmm. I think, four 
black women as champions, or at least three, yeah. maybe three. You know, and they started that whole revolution. Do they? Do you have yeah. any thoughts on that? Well, in the documentary, and this is no uh, slam, no pun intended, <laughs> WWE, <laughs> but both right. Ethel and Ramona said that they were not, they were not fans and didn't keep up with contemporary wrestling. And yeah. Ethel went yeah. so far as to say she thought it was much more theatrical than when she was in the business because when they were in the business, like Billy Wolf and Mildred Burke uh, started this formula called Sex, Muscles, and Diamonds to train women wrestlers. So like sex was sex appeal, muscles was the athletic training, and diamonds was like Hollywood glamour. So they had this like formula down where the women were real athletes. They knew all the holds. They, you know, Ethel talks about her training regimen. It was like, minimum of three hours a day no steroids yeah. this is back before supplements you know mm -hmm. it was old school you develop your yeah. abs by somebody throwing a medicine ball <laughs> in your stomach um, that's right it felt like yeah. you were going through the floor i mean <laughs> so they i'm sure they appreciate the fact that there's more diversity now and black women are being elevated more you know ethel actually passed away in september of 2018 but ramona is still alive and well and i've actually been in contact with kathleen wembley another one of the black women trailblazers. And I think they appreciate the fact that society, you know, it's not linear progress. It's sort of like, you know, a step forward and two steps back, then maybe another step forward. But they were not, they didn't follow modern, they didn't follow contemporary wrestling. They just felt like they were they were like the OGs. And when we yeah. did it, you know, it was oh, organic yeah. and real. Sure, yeah. And it's it's much more show business now, is how was their take on it. Well, let me ask. Let me ask you this: What is your? I, I don't know if you follow it um, to the, the current product or anything like that, but I mean, you you probably have a general idea of where things are at. I mean, like, well, how do you feel about where uh, black women in wrestling are today? Well, you know, an interesting story is that um, when I finished editing, like an initial um, like cut of the documentary in 2017, I realized I had never been to a wrestling match. I was a wrestling match when I was a kid. Like I was a mm -hmm. big fan of Rowdy Roddy Piper, who I got to interview for the documentary. That's this um, guy's, that's this yeah. guy's man right here. He loves Rowdy. Oh, cool, yeah. cool. And yeah. he, he, was just, he was just so awesome. He was so awesome to interview, so Yes, cool. he was. He was So accessible. Mm -hmm. So I, I was like, I need to go see what I'm missing. So I went to WrestleCon in Orlando. And the thing, I think it's good that I was like not, so so into wrestling that it's like you know i i couldn't be objective right uh, because i was able to observe things that maybe like a, a like a super fan wouldn't necessarily uh observe or wouldn't yeah. uh you know take take in so what stuck what stuck out to me is that women's wrestling is perhaps and you'll correct me if i'm wrong the only sport where women are the the headliners and the majority of the fans are men and it just struck me mm -hmm. that it was like i can't I can't imagine a football stadium with yeah. two women's football teams squaring off against each other and fans, male fans, like just hooping and hollering and running up one to take selfies with them. And like, you know, I interviewed some of the fans, the male fans at WrestleCon. They were like, these women are so underrated. And I like a lot of them more than I like the men. And, you know, just yeah. went on and on and on raving about the women's ability. So I was just like, I just don't think that aspect of it, of the respect that men have, that male wrestlers and male wrestling fans have for the women is appreciated enough. Like Rowdy Roddy Piper was very, very um, talked about these women in glowing terms and said, you know, yes, they should did. be headliners or they yes, should have did. been headliners, mm -hmm. but they were just sort of used as window dressing a lot of times. 
Mm-hmm. So that was that was my take on it. Wow. He was very supportive of, of, of women's wrestling. And, and uh, you know, shortly before he passed, he was really a big advocate for uh, Ronda Rousey getting into uh, to wrestling for the WWE as well. So, um, yeah, that's definitely, that's John's guy right there. <clears throat> so I'll throw things over to John <laughs> there. Now, do, um, do you have any plans on doing uh, a book, companion book, or do you have any plans on a sequel either more of the same, more of the women of that era, or even uh, more modern, or just any yeah, other would, project in general that may be unrelated yeah. to wrestling. Yeah, I, I would. It definitely the the story definitely would lend itself to a book. So I would love to be able to put the the you know compile all the stories into a book. But I would really love to do a follow up because Kathleen Wembley's story, especially, is is she, I mean she could have her own documentary because um, mm. she went on a separate circuit than the, the the Wingo sisters and she had her own separate career at one point she was both wrestling and working as like a secretary for Billy Wolf because she was just always very professional and very business-like so he had her like handling some of the affairs in the office and she was just like independent at a really young age and like um she left wrestling after a couple years she married Bobo Brazil oh. so they have a oh. they have a son together Randy so there, there's that aspect of it and uh, she ended up moving to New York and like she she designed a lot of her own, um, you know, costumes and um, leotards and stuff because she was always really into fashion. So her story alone. And then I've had other people. Um, I had a screening uh, during Women's History Month in March here locally. And another woman, Louise Green, who's still alive and well, came up to me and was showing me her memorabilia. So there's a lot of women who have stories that are either similar or completely different to the Wingo sisters whose stories have not yet been told. And even the ones that have passed away, their children are like, oh, I, you know, have contacted me and said, I'd love to tell you about my mom's experience yeah, and yeah, what it was like preser- having a mom as they a They preserve their legacy, man. You know, it's like, it's yeah. it's a shame to let those stories go untold. You know, I mean, I, I'm sure that they can be, I mean, they're they're not only fascinating, but I, I mean, they're they're definitely inspirational, you know, and, and yeah. it, it gives you a real sense of, you know, the, you know, the drive that these people, I mean, because it's a, under the best of circumstances, the world of wrestling is a very difficult life to live, yeah. you know, yeah. I mean, and then you throw on top of it all the other stuff that they had to, to contend with as well, I mean, I, it's, it's, you know, my hat is off to him, but my hat is off to you as well, because you, I, I love that you, you looked into this, that you brought this to light. I was immediately fascinated when I heard about this and, and looked into it more and everything. Um, I am looking forward to seeing it. And I definitely th- uh, think that if you find, if you've got material enough to do, you know, individual profile type of, uh, um, documentaries on some of these women i mean that i think would be just incredible and uh you. you know i'd like Thank to see you. it so yeah so i don't know if you all saw like the um the vice uh documentary on sweet georgia brown the dark side of the ring episode I not, i've not seen that one no. i've not seen that one yet yeah because she was a little bit after i mean she came in i believe in the 60s so she was a little bit after the wingo sisters i mean they were they were still wrestling at the same time but she started a little a little bit later and like her experience, just I believe the fabulous Moolah had started managing wrestlers and had was managing uh, Sweet Georgia Brown at one point. And Sweet Georgia Brown's children 
pretty much outright said their mother was being pimped out. Like she'd come back from these wrestling trips pregnant. Um, so I don't know. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know what the yeah there's what the situation was. There. But that's that's just another ex- example of her experience was completely different from Ramona Isbell sure. and, and the Mingo sisters. Sure, a lot, a yeah. lot, uh, a lot. You know, a lot more traumatic. Even though all yeah. the women went through some traumatic experiences, a lot more traumatic and a lot mm-hmm. more tragic, unfortunately. It's just a yeah. shame it's taken this long for the stories to start coming out. Because like Tommy said, I mean, fascinating stories. Like you said, it's not only wrestling, it's just part of history, part of Black right, history. Yeah. And I think, and but I, at the same time, I'm grateful and excited to hear that, you know, these people are coming forth and being like, oh, I mean, like, if you're looking for stories, you know, I can tell you this, this and that, and, you know, and I mean, we've yeah. heard, we saw this and we've heard this a million times and it's great that people are, you know, you become a magnet for this, uh, for this information and then you can, you know, be the, uh, the, the, you know, speaker to get it out to, to people and stuff. So Good for you, man. Um, Before John, we let you go, um, yeah, I tell everybody where they could find information on you and the, the documentary. Yeah, so the movie um, is available on uh, Amazon. You can rent it or buy it. And awesome. if you want more information, uh, the movie website is ladywrestlermovie.com. And then people can contact me. I'm on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram under my name, Chris Borne, B-O-U-R-N-E-A. Mm-hmm. And uh, people can also email me at chrisborne at gmail.com. Well, I'm going to get it on Amazon and I'm going to uh, tweet at you once I'm done watching it and let you know what I thought, which I'm sure will yeah. be positive. I yeah, don't come on do. there and be yeah. like, that sucked. <laughs> no, <laughs> no right, I, I, whatever, whatever you think of it. Yeah. Please let me know. No, I will. I, 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 am, I will absolutely watch this and I am looking forward to it and it's, been a real honor and pleasure to get to talk to you first uh you know i kind of would i would rather have gotten to see it first so maybe i'd have a little better in-depth questions but you've got me really excited about it and i'm certainly looking forward to seeing it so um thank you again for coming on here and being with us and and sharing your part of the story for this this has uh been a a pleasure thank you thank you it's been an honor for me and you know if if after you watch it you have like burning questions i'm happy to (laughs) have it to come back on that well, would be great, will. man. We'll, yeah. we like maybe we'll do anyway. a follow-up then. Yeah, I would uh, I would really like that a lot. So, uh, But until then, thank you again for coming on, man. It's been a real pleasure. And, um, you know, uh, Godspeed to you. Appreciate it. Thank you, Chris. Appreciate it. Thank, thank you. All right. Take care. All right. You too. All right. And that was Chris Borne, filmmaker, director, Fascinating guy. I, I, I was so waiting forward to this, and, and it, he did not disappoint. Super cool guy. Uh, could totally hang out and, and pick his brain for a night, you know, and, and, and hear about all the stuff that he learned. I mean, it had to have been very cool for him to be able to sit down with these women and, and hear their stories, you know, and, um, and then what a responsibility to take on as well, because yeah. you then have to take these stories that you've heard and and organize them and then do them justice and uh you know give them the levity that they deserve and uh you know again uh we haven't seen this yet but we've already agreed that you and i are going to get together we'll watch it together and uh i really do think we should have him on a second time if he's up for it and uh 
really get into the weeds on it a little bit more but i have to say like i was telling him i'm i'm very excited to see it i think it's really cool what he did and i just know that those stories are going to be some good ones so you know and how cool is it that he's not even a wrestling fan yeah that's you know and uh, exactly i mean like i it, it's i like that i like that that part of it because he's uh he's just he's so invested in just the story and with an unbiased you know because you know people so many people will just hear you know pro wrestling and it's like ah you know and they're already they've already cashed out on the whole thing but it didn't that didn't stop him at all you know and um i'm sure it's some in some way it probably intrigued them all the more so um and yeah for him to know that this was a part of the legacy of where he lived and the the community he grew up in but yet was so underspoken um very cool that uh he did that i like seeing this sort of stuff in the world i like you know i like learning about these things and seeing people do this stuff and uh and again just a nice guy too man really cool I could well, I could definitely hang out with that dude. So well, this is what I say. I had the as you said the best introduction to the show I've had. We've had a fantastic interview. Yeah, I haven't choked in the end here, so I say we end on a high note. We wrap this yeah. one up. We thank Chris Borne for yeah his time, his consideration. We certainly will be talking to him again. Yeah, I think I say we take this one home. Well, we're both going to tweet out our initial responses to the movie when the uh, once we have seen it. Um, they can find me at Tommy underscore else, and they can find you at John G's Beat dot or John G at John G's Beat. Sorry, uh, but uh, yeah. So until uh, next time, John. This is John like of JohnGsBeat.com for the or else the John G or else podcast. Uh, With me as always. Who else but Tommy else? It was really close. It was really close. The intention was good. The execution, you stumbled. Goodbye.